Conservation is at the heart of what Gary Young wanted in his company. And that goes beyond just sustainable business practices and recyclable packaging, although we believe in that too. The Skyrider Wilderness Ranch is a part of Young Living dedicated to helping our planet, and we recently got a chance to participate in a unique animal rescue project. Hello and welcome to Young Living's podcast, The Wild Drop. My name is Jacob Young, your host. Young Living is a world leader in producing and distributing premium essential oils. And this podcast will provide you with drops of information about Young Living, including stories, history, product information, lots of little fun facts, and even more. Please welcome back to the podcast, Skylar Olson, our general manager of the Skyrider Wilderness Ranch. Welcome back, Skylar. Well, thanks, Jacob. It's been exactly a year since we last had you on the podcast, and I'm sure a lot has happened in a year on the farm, on the ranch. It has, yeah. It's uh, it's always changing. It's always growing and building, and I'm just now back to uh, just about full use of my arm from the horse wreck That's about, right. about a month ago, so I'm starting to feel like a... Uh, somewhat valuable asset to the team again because <laughs> I have two arms. One and a half right now, I guess. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So the reason why we have you on the podcast today, obviously it's in the title, is this Bighorn Sheep Project that we just, I guess, completed in a sense or just started, I guess. So talk about the process and how it started and, yeah. and why we're doing it. Yeah, sure. So at this point, we're probably five years from the first conversations to actually having bighorn sheep at Skyrider. Uh, it's a very important and uh, critical moment in time for bighorn sheep for this to happen. So do you want me to just like yeah. go through start to finish? Okay. Please. So when you, your dad, when Gary bought Skyrider, it was an operating elk farm essentially. Mm-hmm. And Skyrider is 17,000 acres. There is 1,800 acres behind the lodge. It's like rough and rugged, mountainous terrain. And we had talked about maybe getting out of farming elk. So as those talks kind of progressed, the state had heard, because I work with them weekly, biologists, I work with biologists weekly, um, elk farms are pretty heavily regulated by the state of Utah. So I work with the representatives there, like Phil Crowther, stud guy that kind of helped yeah. with this thing. And he had heard, hey, I think you guys are talking about maybe at least scaling back what you're doing there. I said, yeah, we are. He's like, well, there's an opportunity. The state's been looking for a place to have what's called a nursery herd for bighorn sheep. Would you be interested in it? I'm like, man, well, I, I am. And I I don't have any reason to believe no, anybody else within this company wouldn't be as well. So we take that information that, hey, there's this chance to do this. We go to you. We go to the company. Are you open to this? The company says, Young Living says, yes. I think that sounds like a great project for conservation, which it is. And then the ball starts rolling. So about, oh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we turned the first herd of desert bighorn sheep onto the Skyrider Ranch into the previous elk facility. Yeah. And they're there living. And um, it's it's just – it's an amazing project. Uh, It's – and very – important for the establishment conservation for the continued existence of bighorn sheep 
in the state of Utah and surrounding states. So with this bighorn sheep, with it being a nursery for bighorn sheep, is there an issue to the bighorn sheep? Are they close to facing extinction? Is there something going on there? Why was the government specifically looking at helping bighorn sheep? Sure. Yeah, they are facing, they're not endangered and they're not listed as threatened, but we're like walking on fine lines yeah. of that, uh, predominantly from disease. So okay. there are diseases that domesticated sheep carry that are pretty well 100% fatal to big Oh, sheep. wow. So just like chronic wasting disease and elk. It's similar. Similar, okay. but it's, it's a respiratory disease. It's very contagious. And what's interesting about it is there's – if a bighorn sheep contracts it, let's say a, a pregnant ewe, yeah. female bighorn sheep contracts movi or some of the, the other uh, respiratory illnesses that affect bighorn sheep, mm-hmm. if they get through it, that ewe will have some – small immunity, but she does not pass it to her offspring. So she could then give her offspring the same disease and it will not have any immunity. Wow. So what's really interesting, like in the state of Utah and in other surrounding states, when the early pioneers came out, they would write in their journals when they saw mule deer. The mule deer was the oddity. Mm -hmm. Bighorn sheep were the norm. Interesting. Right? So you'd see so many bighorn sheep, it was nothing to write home about. Yeah. But if you saw a mule deer, even a mule deer doe, you'd be like, we saw a mule deer doe today. That And it's completely opposite It's completely now. opposite now. Yeah. That's right. crazy. So the, the numbers are very low. And we were able to – I say we. I talk about we as the group. The state of Utah was able to secure sheep from Nevada, muddy mountains, uh, at the Valley of Fire. Yep. Remote. And it's believed that that's possibly the last – disease-free herd of desert bighorn sheep in the world. Oh, wow. Okay? Like we needed to do something quickly. So they get an agreement with Nevada that they're going to let us – let the state of Utah have these sheep. And uh, we go out there and capture them and we bring them to Skyrider where they're doing great. We're doing a lot of habitat projects we can talk about later yeah. uh, to improve it. But th- the, important, the important thing here is – Without a project like this, we might not – like my kids might not be able to go somewhere and, and see, see a, big a desert sheep. bighorn sheep, right? So it, we have – we've worked with a lot of groups. The state of Utah is obviously a major partner in this. But there's also a group called Sportsmen's for Fish and Wildlife that is a, has been crucial in all of this. And they continue to be that with our habitat restoration projects. Also the Utah chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. So without those three entities – um, none of this would have been possible. Plus, young living, yeah. Right? Like we're a big piece of it too. But without all of us, this this couldn't have come together. Oh yeah, yeah. it's never just one group sure. or one person. It's many, many people, many, many groups, many entities. So that's awesome and super exciting. So since working with bighorn sheep, what's something that you've noticed about them that most people wouldn't know about bighorn sheep? What's like fun facts about them? Yeah. So I've learned a lot of this about about bighorn sheep through this process because I've always appreciated them. I knew there was an issue there with uh, with their numbers being really low. Uh, it's something that I've always like dreamed of doing is going to the Northwest Territories and seeing like a doll sheep or a stone sheep because there are several different subspecies. Mm-hmm. Stone sheep, doll sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, desert cali sheep, and desert sheep. Like there's these different wow. variations, kind of like mule deer and white-tailed deer-ish, yeah. ish, yeah. I'll say. So I've always been appreciative of the animal because – when you see one and where they live, it 
there's not many more things that are iconic and a, and a representation of wild places than like a bighorn sheep. They're just in the most absurd places you can Crazy think of. Crazy places. And you'd never expect them to be there, like on no. this rock cliff side with this tiny little rock sticking out, and they're just perching Perched on that there. one little rock. Yeah, it's, it's and nuts. Yeah, like thriving. Where we, where we got these desert sheep in the Valley of Fire, this was a month ago, so it would have been June, first part of June, I believe. And we left at 4 in the morning to start the process. And I go get my truck at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's 88 degrees. That's so for us, that's disgusting. like our highs, yeah, right? And you get out there, and it looks like the surface of the moon. It's red rock. There's no grass. And, and you're looking at this landscape like, how does, any, how does a lizard make a living out here, let alone an un, like a sheep, yeah. you know, a bighorn sheep? So they are – they're incredible creatures. They, there's studies that show a, a desert sheep can go up to maybe, maybe three months without actually drinking water. They're pulling enough water from the vegetation that they're eating that it, it gives them enough water. Which is crazy to think because there can't be that much water in that vegetation with where they're living if it's just no. dry as all can be. Well, you should see them at Skyrider. Like their bellies are full. <laughs> like there's so much feed <laughs> they're there. They're pigging out. Oh, yeah, they're doing great. <laughs> they're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're doing very well up there. They, there's just so much feed compared to yeah. you know, where they come from. So it's, it's well-suited. And when, when we let them out, we, we talked about their proclivity to go to the, the highest places. Back in the aspects. Back in the, yeah. yeah, back in the rough country, like they're attracted to that. And that's where they went within six hours. Yeah. They went all the way back to those huge cliffs, you know, mm-hmm. the big cliffs in the back. Yeah. They were there in like no time. It's just <laughs> like they knew that was, that was the place to be. That's awesome. Yeah. I really like how you describe Nevada and how it almost looks like the surface of the moon. So take me back there really quick and kind of explain more of that process. Obviously, you probably had to work with the state of Nevada as well in order to capture the bighorn sheep. And what what was the capturing process like? Because I'm sure a lot of people are like, so how do you capture a bighorn sheep? Yeah. Oh, dude, it was so cool. It was was such a cool thing to be a part of. So we caravaned down outside of Mesquite. Uh, close to Lake Havasu. It's okay. called the Valley of Fire, and it looks like a valley of fire. It's, I've been through it. It's super pretty, it's super cool. It's really pretty. All those little rocks and yep. whatnot. Yep. Yeah, so that's where it is. And we, we had a hotel that, like, uh, the state of Nevada had some places, uh, people there, and Utah had some people there. So there was, like, all these government trucks. You know, you could tell, like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> right? Something's happening. We get up at 4.30 in the morning, and we go out in the parking lot. The sun's not even up yet. And there's probably 40 of us, and we just have, like, this roundtable discussion. This is how it's going to go. This is where you need to park. This is where we're going to put the vet tent. Like, we're going through all this pre-planning. Yeah. And then we just caravan out. And I think I have a, a video of my phone of just these taillights because there's probably 25 or 30 trucks. Jeez. You know, headed out there, support vehicles, trailers to put the sheep in, vet supplies. Like, just this this snake <laughs> of of headlights winding through the Nevada desert, you know. And I'm look, I've never been there before. So the sun's not up, but I'm kind of like trying to get an idea of what things look like. And then the sun starts coming up and it's just you know, iconic red rock desert, magnificent, stunning scenery uh, as we start to get going. So the sun starts to come up, tents are going up, easy ups. Yeah. And then the vet tables are going out to put the sheep on. Because when they bring the sheep in, they do 
a whole bunch of testing, and I'll get into that as we talk about the capture. Mm-hmm. So this, all this is going up and preparing and building and building, and then the helicopter comes because that's how they capture them. And that was to spot them as well, right? And net them. Oh. Okay. Okay. These dudes are like incredible. It wow. was an incredible thing to see. So then you're – and it's like, okay, here we go. Like all this work, now it's going to happen. So they land – Chat about what they're going to do. They wait till the sun was come up, and we had we had a like a fairly short time frame. It couldn't get over a certain temperature in the day uh, for the health of the sheep, and also for the performance of the helicopter. Yeah, you know, after a certain time, it's like it's too hot. It's going to be too hard on the animals, and it can be too hard to whatever. Yeah, I'm not a pilot, or you know, I don't understand all the nuances of helicopters there's flying in the a, heat. Yeah, there's just not enough cooling, and it has to do with. Like the layers in the air and whatnot. I, okay, I understand so. it a little bit. Probably but so. Yeah, I get what they're saying. So, so we were like all anxious, like, and and we're like, we got two days to do this. So you you really hope we catch the max amount of sheep the first day. So you have like a you can you don't have as much anxiety for the second day because we need to make sure we get yeah. enough sheep. So they get their stuff together and they take off. And watching that helicopter fly, like the amount of talent and skill oh, yeah. that they had. I mean, the, the maneuvers and they're flying and they're, they're like tracking sideways. And there's a dude with a net gun like hanging out of it. And they're, you know, they're flying and chasing these things up in the rocks, net it. They drop him off right out of the chopper. Like they get close to the ground. He hops out. He bags them, puts them in like a really safe harness. Yeah. So they uh, don't freak themselves out. So they don't freak out. out. They yeah. blindfold them. Put them in a net, hook it to the chopper on a line, and here they come back. So he's shooting like a net at these things, like a net gun. Straight up cool (laughs) net gun. Yeah, like Batman style. Batman style. (laughs) Totally. I love that. Totally. And there's a, in one of the videos we have, they have a GoPro on on him and on the chopper. Oh, and wow. I'm telling you, the maneuver, it was incredible. So they were flying fast. Like, this is all fast. Yeah. And he comes into the landing zone where we have all the support and the volunteers are there waiting. And the, they get two sheep. Mm-hmm. So they've netted two. They've got two hanging off a line, the bottom of a chopper. And he comes in. And I'm looking. I'm like, my gosh, he's going fast. And he comes in fast. But those sheep let down with the softness of a feather drifting to the bed. You know what I mean? That it was is just like perfect. really good flying. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. So he sets them down. Boom. The line detaches and off he goes to get more. And then the vets come in. They pick him up. They take him to the table. They take their temperature, internal temperature. Mm-hmm. They try to age them. They take blood samples. Yeah. And uh, which was very important because if we have a sheep – that we're going to put into the Skyrider program, we, we have to ensure that it's disease-free. Yeah, So course. sheep couldn't go into the enclosure until they were disease-free. Otherwise, it's pointless. So someone had donated the use of their private plane just to fly blood samples to the state of Washington to expedite the service, right? That's how much support this oh, project fantastic. has and how many people are just – it's important. We did a very yeah. – important thing here with with the desert bighorn sheep at skyrider and it's so fantastic that everybody's on board to save these majestic creatures and it's it's almost i think it sets a great example for just 
how quickly and how supportive everyone can be when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be animal related. It can be with land, you know, whatever right. it may be. So I, I really like that part. So yeah, we're fortunate awesome. that, that uh, we have forward thinking groups and people that are paying attention to this. Yeah. Because we don't want to lose them. So when, when they're on the table and you're taking on the blood test, did they apply anesthesia to kind of calm them down or were they just there i know with like elk with the the shoots that we had you know it would kind of press their sides and pick them up yeah and once their feet dangle they don't really do anything right are the sheep kind of like that way if you lay them sideways or wh- how how did that happen so i i believe they did give them some type of a sedative to ensure that because you don't want them kicking and flopping around when you're oh, 100 no. feet off the ground yeah you know so they would come yeah they were they were sedated and they would come in blindfolded too, because when you cover the eyes, that's also a calming. Yeah, it helps. You've a seen lot. It with horses. Yeah, you know we've we've done sting with horses where I've seen your dad put his Levi jacket over their face and yeah. it just like calms it down. You know, so a similar effect with the sheep to calm them down. Blood tests, um, aging, temperature, and when they get the okay that they're safe, they're healthy, at least for what we can tell without doing the blood test, then they'd be carried over to a livestock trailer that was tarped. Yeah. To keep the heat down. The heat down, yeah. And and then you're just looking at these sheep, you know. <laughs> I remember the first one coming in, and I'd always seen them from a distance. You know, I've never really been up close, and I'm looking at this thing like, it's it just unreal. Like, how crazy they're is it? They're cool and gnarly this? creatures at the exact same time. Yes. They're so incredible and beautiful and just a just an iconic piece of the West. Yeah, you know? for sure. So now that they've got them in the trailer, how long would it take for the blood tests to be tested before you got the okay? And then did you take them from one trailer and put them in a different trailer to get transported to no, Skyrider or? That trailer went to Skyrider. Okay. So I follow, I left with the first group of sheep. I uh-huh. think there were, there was 12 or 14 sheep captured the first day. Okay. And I went with the first load. So as soon as they were caught, like we were done by 1030 in the morning. Oh, that's pretty quick. And we just turned around and we all started driving to Skyrider. So we get Skyrider. We park the trailer with the sheep in it inside the hay barn. Yeah. Because it's nice and cool. Mm -hmm. And then we wait. Wait for the blood test? We wait for the blood test. What happens if the blood test came back and said, hey, this one has diseases? Would you have to unload all those sheep but that one and then send that one back drive that one back or well now they would have all been exposed okay right right that makes sense yeah. I, I don't what know what the state would have done particularly but if you had a sheep that tested positive then the and whole it just batches, rode for yeah. nine hours in a trailer they're probably all been exposed and they probably have to go back to nevada I don't, I don't know what the process would have been thankfully we didn't have to cross that bridge. Oh, fantastic. But when we're waiting, like the impact of a negative test is really big at this point. Yeah. Because this they've been looking for a place for five years. Yeah, and that was the only one that was disease-free that right. they knew of. Oh, that would have been awful. So they finally find a place in Skyrider and, and, a, and Young Living that is a conservation forward thinking enough to donate this land. I get that question like, how much will the state pay? They're not paying us anything. Yeah. Young Living has donated the use of that land to them for free. Which is great. It's so Which cool. is what we should it, be doing. It is. If you have a chance to do something good, man, especially on this level, it's so awesome that we do it, <laughs> right? So we're all waiting there with like bated breath, like these have got to come back clean because f- looking for a place, then you find a place and you get the contract side and there's like, there's so much, of, so much so has much gone into stake. it. And then you're, you're just, 
waiting for the the yes. So we're sitting there and it's like me and some other guys from the ranch, the biologists, and we're sitting in the hay barn and anytime one of their phones buzzes or beeps, everyone's like everyone went silent. <laughs> yeah, you know, what is it? It's like, oh, you know, it's it's not what you it's not the one we want, you know. <laughs> you know, I haven't heard yet. But then we get the okay that they're clean and we're like right on. So we drive from the hay barn up the long road where the buffalo are, uh-huh. turn in above the cow pasture. Yep. I don't know when I can – this is just below the lodge if you haven't been there. And we back them in. And uh, we had you know, Sports Inspiration Wildlife is there. Utah Chapter Wild Sheep Foundation is there. KSL Outdoors is there. Yeah. Like several local news agencies are there. And it's this big – this big moment. And that video of them jumping out of the yeah. trailer and being free. Oh, that was just It was so cool, fantastic. man. Fantastic. It was so rewarding in a way that like I cuz I'm someone who grew up like you with a real deep appreciation for the outdoors cuz of what yeah. my dad showed me. And when you are exposed to that th- like uh at any point in time you can be exposed to it and have love for it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has now become I really, I really hope my kids get to experience it. Yeah, because you can see how fast the West is kind of getting eaten up, and yeah, it's expanding, and so many people like it's it's a limited resource. So to actually be personally involved and help facilitate this, like I had my boys were yeah. with me when we kicked the sheep out, so I'm like holding them, and I'm like, I know you guys don't get this, but this is a big deal. <laughs> but when they're old enough, they'll understand. Yeah, well, they and, might and be able to see sheep. It. Yeah, because of this, because of what we did. They they might they can probably still see him and their kids can might still see him you know so it's personally it's a it's an extremely selfishly rewarding <laughs> a moment in time for sure yeah so does the state um, come back and check on the sheep like every week or are they doing it through like the monitoring systems that they have around their neck or uh, yeah. w- what all are they what are we doing now? Great question. So, so we got them there on the ranch. So what, what's the next step or are they there for five years? What happens? Yeah, great question. So each sheep, when they were captured, were affixed a GPS collar. Mm-hmm. Now that collar gives updates every hour, okay. I believe. So they can tell if you know the sheep hasn't moved for three or four hours, something's going on when you go check it. Yeah. Um, they can also see where they're located at in the ranch at all times. So that collar will stay stay with them, and they're monitored all the time. We have game cameras all around where they hang out. Yeah. So they can, you know, look. I they gave me access to it. So like every morning, I'm like looking. You know, you <laughs> that's know, cool. That's, that's cool. There's good. And oh, there's a mountain lion. You know, and yeah. they just walked by. So you get to see the sheep and other wildlife yeah, that are course. there, and it's really cool. So we track them through the collars. We can. They're looking at them all the time. We have the game cameras set up. Mm-hmm. And then the, the projects we're doing uh, are really neat. So the state of Utah, Sports and Fish and Wildlife, and the Wild Sheep Foundation have put in what's called a guzzler. Okay. Three guzzlers, I believe. Because we do have water, naturally occurring water, yeah. in the back, in where they're at. In that small little creek. In that, that small down. little creek. Yeah. And, you know, it's down in the bottom. It's heavily treed. And that's not ideal for desert sheep, like they, they want big areas to see mm. you know, their, their biggest, uh, 
uh, defense from predators, their eyesight. Yeah. They have crazy eyesight. So if they're in a place that's like really brushy or tree, it's like it's not comfortable for them. Okay. They're so, completely opposite of elk because the elk like where it's wooded and yeah. thick and where they can't be seen. And I mean their their ears, like the way that they can hear is insane. So I find it funny that the, the sheep are completely different. They want to be up in a big open area, but it makes sense now that they sit on tall cliffs. Yeah. So big, wide open. Yeah. yeah. So because that water's there, I mean they use it. They'll they'll go find it because they you have to have water. Yeah. But to make it better suited for them and more natural to have them have this big open place, we've put in what's called a, a guzzler, and it essentially catches rainwater and has a little trough where they can come and drink out of. It takes I think I believe they're fifteen hundred gallons. Oh wow! But one good monsoon rains like we get right now will we'll just up. about fill that thing up. So we've done that project. We have restoration project projects going on in uh, cooperation with Sports and Fish Wildlife and the, and the Wild Sheep Foundation and Young Living to go remove a lot of the juniper that's in there. Okay. So it's there's like sea of juniper yeah. in there. And what I think is really cool is juniper makes like a pretty good oil. It does. Right? So is that the plan is for us to come up and harvest it? Maybe so. Oh, that'd maybe, be fantastic. Maybe we'll, maybe we, we'll make it an oil out of the – Oh. I'm just saying. Okay. okay. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be removing these trees and this brush to, uh, to help the uh, – the bighorn sheep, and it's like, well, if we're going to be taking out a whole bunch of juniper, we need to distill that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the juniper probably isn't natural to their habitat if the state's wanting to remove it, correct? Sure. So you definitely have juniper exist where wild sheep also exist. Uh-huh. But what happens is it can – it's a bit of a, a not – noxious weed in a way like juniper gets in there just grows anywhere and everywhere anywhere and everywhere it sucks up a ton of water and if you notice in stands of you know these seas of juniper that we have there's no grass no under the juniper it outcompetes everything yeah and they also need that big wide open spaces so it it benefits us at skyrider to remove a lot of juniper on on a couple different points It, it makes it better habitat for the bighorn sheep because it mm-hmm. opens up open more open space. It'll help us retain more groundwater and it will allow more of the native grasses to come up. You know, if you look at pictures, like I, I lived in Southern Utah for a number of years and there's a town called Enterprise and there are pictures of Enterprise from the you know early 1900s of the hills. Mm-hmm. There's not many juniper and you go down now and it's just seas of juniper. Oh, like crazy. it encroaches in and it eats, it just, uh, we need to be managing it. Yeah. Whether through letting natural fires go through and, and burn it up or if we can go in – and that's what's cool about juniper is we can also harvest that and have like a really cool product yeah. out of harvesting it. So on the last uh, – one of the episodes that we just had with Brad Chatterley, he was talking about how we have a lot of oils that are harvested naturally, wildcrafted. And juniper is one of those because it just grows like a weed. It's wildly grown. And we get calls from so many different places that say, hey, we heard that you guys like to distill juniper. Would you come and take this juniper off our hands? And that is a big hoorah for oh, us yeah. because we love going out and doing that. I remember there was one place kind of out by Eagle Mountain, and it was some gentleman's property, and he just said, I need all this juniper gone. We pulled 4,000 juniper trees in a square acre. Oh, jeez. That's how much juniper was in that area. It was crazy in just that one acre. Wow. It was unreal. So we're removing juniper to make it more habitable for them. Is there anything else that we're removing or adding in the back to make it even better for them? Sure. So... Sky, that the place is selected where they're at now is pretty well suited for desert sheep. Perfect. You know, what we need to do is to 
by removing the juniper, you get the more wide open spaces Mm -hmm. and really help to return those native grasses is what we really are wanting to do. So that could be, you know, removing the juniper is a big one. Yeah. Uh, We have a lot of oak brush in there. Maybe we go trim up some of that oak brush. brush. That stuff is terrible. It's thick in places. So that is uh, to give them more open spaces and to have those native grasses come back but skyrider itself where they're at is is pretty well suited for them Perfect. but the goal is like right now we have 32 sheep i believe mm-hmm. but we'd like to have 150 by a set maybe time. in the next two or three years okay you know grow to that number so we're getting ready for that like there's plenty of open space plenty of good habitat for the, the ones we have now but yeah. as we look to grow it's like okay we really need to pull this sea of juniper back maybe we need to go cut that oak brush back and uh, all for open space and native grasses to kind of come back in and, and be great to get our groundwater. Yeah, uh, that'd be fantastic. Back. So um, you talk about expanding, you know, the group from 30 currently to 100 or 150. How many young sheep does one female sheep have? Is it one or two? I believe I think it's probably an oddity to have two. Okay. Uh, the norm is it's probably going to be one. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there's an odd in odd double in there. Yeah, you know? for sure. So yeah, it's going to take a little bit, you know, they, they don't, uh, they're not rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'd be, it, I haven't seen a little baby bighorn sheep. So I think that'd be really cool to yeah. see a little baby bighorn sheep. Well, you'll get to see one soon. Really? Well, okay. spring. Yeah. That's true. Some babies. That's very true. That's awesome. So now that we've talked about, you know, the number that we're hoping to expand to, is there a final number that they're hoping to hit before we release them back out into the wild? Or what's the like final plan? What's, sure. what's, you know, what's the end of this project? So probably the holding capacity of where they're at is going to be around 150 animals. Okay. Um, that, that should be no problem in that space. Yeah. Cause we've had 300 back there. 300, 300 elk. elk. Yeah. Right. 300 elk back there and sheep are certainly less, uh, consumptive on the land as, as a desert sheep. And they're not nearly as big. <laughs> and not nearly as big. Yeah. So when they get to that 100 mark, 120 mark, now you're talking about if there's 100 sheep in there, maybe there's 20 rams. So you have 80 ewes wow. that are going to be lambing every year. Mm-hmm. So that's potential to maybe you relocate 60 to 80 sheep a year throughout the state and possibly the West. So once once we hit that number... Then we can start pulling out of that nursery herd and replenishing the West with these disease-free sheep. But the plan is probably to keep some at the nursery just to keep populating them and then replace them. Yep. Okay. Always there. Always there. Super cool. I mean, the idea is if if this program – I've heard this from a biologist. If it lasts, let's say, 32 years – if, if this program has 32 years, every desert bighorn sheep in the state of Utah would trace its genetic beginnings to Skyrider. And it, it speaks to the fragility of the species that we're trying to protect. So it, it's such a – it's a monumental moment for sheep and for us. Ah, fantastic. Well, since we talked about the bighorn sheep, there's obviously a lot of other projects that have been going on. When we talked, we talked about um, two really amazing products that would be coming out eventually, and those have now since come out. So the Einkorn Crunch and the and the Beef Bites. How have you enjoyed those? Is there maybe something else coming along those lines? Do we have other products that you might be able to hint to, yeah. or what else has been going on? Well, yeah, that was uh, that's a big deal for us to have the Einkorn Crunch. 
which is really good. Oh, I, I have to hide it from my kids. Like if I want any, they they gobble that stuff up. It's really really good. And we have the wagyu uh, beef bites that's mixed with the bison that come from Skyrider. That's really really good and a healthy snack and for those in the hunting community or for those who you know do any hunting you probably know the big name jim shockey who is a huge advocate for our wagyu beef bites and iron corn crunch he loves the products that we've come out with and we just recently did a giveaway a huge giveaway on the skyrider page with him and whatnot so and he's kind of our our like our our sponsoring go-to guy with you know promoting our wagyu beef bites and iron corn crunch so i've been seeing a lot of people posting about it and talking about it so i'm super excited and happy about that it's so cool man yeah if you're not following skyrider ranch on instagram or facebook you should like give it a follow so you can f- track what's happening with the sheep and everything they've got going on yeah, there, everything jim else that's going on the ranch so jim shockey if you're in the world of conservation or outdoors he's kind of a legend you know he's like the man and in high school i had to do a report on what i wanted to be when i grew up and all i wanted to be was a hunting guide and an outfitter. Yeah. So they give you this book and you got to go through and it, it gives you the price, the salary ranges you can make. And I'm doing my report and it, you know, hunting guide, $30,000 a year. And I'm like, that's, that's wrong. That that's not right. Like it can be more than that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I went to the teacher and I said, this is wrong. She's like, no, that's, you know, we have to work. I'm like, but you have Jim Shockey. And he like he makes his own clothing and he has DVDs like you can actually make a living out of this. And she said, well, I think you just need to choose a different profession. OK, <laughs> so she tells me this. And then 20 years later, more, well, more than 20 or 25 years later, I'm on a Zoom call with Jim Shockey. OK, and I got to share that story with him. And, I, and, and so I just told him, like, man, I got to tell you <sighs> that I was told to what, you know, I should walk away from this. And now because of this, I get to talk to you, man. Yeah. And, and we just shared like a, a, a camaraderie or a moment there. And he's a, he's a really genuine, it seems to be a really just like a normal dude that, that appreciates all of this and really loves uh, what we're doing for cons- conservation at Skyride. Which is fantastic. And I love that he's also on board with all of that too and yeah. really promotes that because it's so crucial and important to our world. So – and it's also so crazy that because you chose to stick with that decision – that every choice that you made in your life had brought you to that moment in time. Sure. Which is just so fascinating to think about. So one other thing I really quickly want to share with everybody that is not as familiar, well-known, is you actually had a big music artist come out and <laughs> film a music video yeah. on the ranch, which has, uh, last time I checked, it's like four or five million views yeah. right now. And everyone's asking, like, where's the ranch? Where's, yeah. where's this beautiful, beautiful ranch? Can you talk about that and share a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Th- that was so much fun. Like, it was, it was crazy how it happened because I was a fan. His name's Warren Ziders. Yeah. Country music artist. Great guy. Great guy. And Tara, my wife, uh, they messaged her on Instagram. The, the producer of the phone said, hey, do you ever do any music videos? She's like, yeah, we could probably accommodate you. Like, what do you think? And he says, well, it's for Warren Zider's new show. She's like, Warren, like, <laughs> we're very aware of who this guy is, right? And it happened within like a week. Like two wow. weeks he was out there. And it, it was a great experience. And, and the video is beautiful. Oh, so well it's done. It's so beautiful. And it really, when, if people watch it, go out and watch it. It's Warren Zider's Wild Horse. Mm-hmm. And you really get a feeling for Tabiona and the valley and the ranch. And it was, uh, it was fun, man. It, it was so cool. Oh, so fantastic. And one last thing. This is all kind of up to date with what's been going with yeah. Skyrider. One last thing is uh, 
our creative team and Skywriter was just awarded, I think it's called a video award. Uh, and this is like a cinematography award, video production, video editing award. And they don't give these out very often. So winning one of these is almost like winning the Grammy from what our creative team has no been kidding. told. And it's actually a very like reserved um, award. So they don't really publish it or say anything about it. You get an email. So it's like a very... Um, exclusive, private exclusive private. award to receive. So we just got an award for that on the Loyal to the Wild video, which is such a great video. I love, love, love that video. So our creative team will be getting an award for that here soon that they said that they're going to display and, and show off and whatnot. Well, they deserve so, it. Um, you know, that, that was an, that's an amazing video. So, so great. And subsequently, if you watch the video, that's the one that hurt me that we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Skylar, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share everything that's been going on with Skyrider with you and just sharing the passion that we all have for making sure that our land is protected and safe and that our animals are protected and safe so that our children and their children have the opportunity to experience and see these animals in the wild. Thank you so much for that. Hey, thank you. You just nailed it. I couldn't say anything more. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Can't okay. wait to have you back on the show again. All right. Sounds good to me. And thank you for tuning into this episode of The Wild Drop. Remember, you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or online at www.youngliving.com. Don't forget to oil up Young Living Family. This is Jacob Young, dropping out. Take care. <laughs>